Steven, let me ask you something. Have you ever been to a freak show? Okay, no, I, I haven't. I've been to the circus, which, of course, there's some, like, sword swallowing and stuff like that at the circus. And I went when I was very young for, you know, I, I recognize how shitty the circus can be now. Uh, it, is circus even still a thing? I think circuses are done. For the most part, yeah. The circus is done for the most part. Uh, I would say the closest that I've come to like an actual freak show is Ripley's Believe It or Not. Okay. Because I... I've been to a couple of those. Because we researching this episode, I remember, I think it was 21 at the time, at the local fair here in town, there was always these two booths. Two booths that were set up, and one of them was, Come see the amazing snake woman! And I was like... A snake woman? What the fuck bullshit is this? You know, you give the guy a dollar, walk around, and it is this tiny little woman who is who couldn't be more than three feet tall with her legs that were just fused together. And she's like wearing one half of a short. <laughs> so her legs through that one short and it's fused together and she's just reading the Bible and just looks up and goes, God bless. And I was like, yeah, right good on. on you. <laughs> and it was just good on you. Like, make that money, honey. But um, I kind of am disappointed that I missed the era of the freak show. I, I, I recognize it's shitty. I recognize it as exploitive behavior. But at the same time, that must have been some cool shit to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure it's so exploit. Maybe a slightly exploitive on the... Uh, on the freak show owner's part. But also, you know, you have people that are have severe deformities that really, especially throughout, like, early 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s, like, just made them quite a bit of money. Like, freak shows were actually a... Uh, free, I say freak shows, but sideshow carnivals were pretty lucrative in the early 20s and 30s. Kind of strangely lucrative. Yeah. But that's because everybody was so Just religious, that. you know... And that's because everybody was so, like, uptight when they saw something that was out of their comfort zone. It was like, whoa, I would pay big fucking money to see this. Whereas now you just get on the fucking internet and search fucking, like, lobster mermaid iguana boy. And there it is. <laughs> Fucks antelope woman who turns into helicopter. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's one of those things because doing the research for this episode, it's just fucking weird. The sideshow carny lifestyle is just... Dude, it's weird. Strangely comforting because, like, most of those people really become a family. Yeah, you make family where you can. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of camaraderie in situations like that. Because typically, it's a lot of outcasts that are put in a same situation and they find comfort within each other. And it's, in a strange way, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess. As long as there's no meth involved. Usually there's meth involved. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's now there's meth involved. Meth, you know, meth is the lifeblood that moves the carny forward. The reason that we're talking about freak shows. Because we're talking okay. about a freak of a piece of shit. Just a piece of white trash horseshit. Right. And before we get into telling you who I'm going over today, just want to say welcome to episode 24 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Joel. And in case you're just tuning in for the first time, what we do is we take one real life villain and one fictional villain and we talk about their histories, their motives, their crimes, any connections they may have, and then we cap the episode off with whether or not they are redeemable or not with our trusty bowler hat scale. So this week we are talking about Lobster Boy, otherwise known as Grady Styles Jr. And we're going to have a little fun with his uh, fictional villain counterpart and uh, talk about Crablante from the popular Japanese anime One Punch Man. Oh, God. You know, sometimes research for this show is great. <laughs> and to research this TV show, I got to watch the weirdest fucking anime I've seen in some fucking time that didn't involve tentacles fucking young women. So it was it was weird. I, I, this was a fun episode. This was a fun research episode. Except when you got into Grady Styles Jr.'s personal life and you're just like, this is depressing. This is fucking depressing. For sure. So let's get started with Grady Styles Jr., shall we? Absolutely. All right. Born in 1937, 
Died in 1992, and as I said, also known as Lobster Boy. And there's a good reason for that. Joel, why don't you talk about ectrodactyly a little bit? Ectrodactyly, a deformity where, you know, uh, fingers and toes are fused together. Sometimes you don't, like, the leg bones don't form, so they literally have, you know, like, the waist up is there. And uh, they resemble, the, the claws just, the, the hands resemble lobster claws or... And, and if you know, this is my favorite part, the, the basic translation from the uh, Greek for ectrodactyly is uh, a finger abortion. Yeah, and it's not just the hands either. The feet do it too. So sometimes the feet will split basically into two sets of toes that are fused together into basically like two claws. So what Grady Styles Jr. had was ectrodactyly in both his hands and feet. So he had uh, essentially lobster claw hands and then lobster claw feet and... Obviously, he could not walk with lobster claw feet, so he was bound to a wheelchair, basically from birth. And it's somewhat inspiring because he really didn't let that like he could hoof it with no feet. If you've ever have you seen that movie Freak Show, the the old nineteen thirty one? I have not. Wanavas, Wanavas. <laughs> I haven't. There, there's a scene in that movie where a gentleman has no legs like that, and he's got a knife in his mouth. And he's lifting up his lower half of his body and using his hands to crawl to kill the woman, the the heroine in the film. And uh, that's what Grady would do. He would he would leapfrog his way with his hands. Yeah, he became insanely strong in his upper body. Like, hear about that from people with uh, leg disabilities or you know paralysis from the from the waist down. Like, they essentially have to become superhuman in their upper body. Like, just from the amount of weight that they're lifting all the time. So, Grady Styles was known from a very young age. I think as, as early as uh, five or six from just being able to lift a massive amount of weight and pick himself up off the floor easily into a chair or into the bath. Or Let's get started, started with his childhood a little bit. He was uh, born in 1937 in Pittsburgh, as we said. And ectrodactyly is one of those uh, deformities that is hereditary. And it basically ran in his family from 1840 all the way up to when he was born in 1937 and then continued on after he had children. But um, his father had it and joined the sideshow business at a very young age. His entire family were carnies, essentially. Like his mother, his father, his grandfather. Like it was an entire line of sideshow workers. And Grady was inducted into the sideshow business at seven years old. At 11, he quit school and went into uh, full-time being a uh, uh, circus performer, a performer, if you will. And it's around this particular age that the behaviors that you're going to be hearing about later really, really, really start to form and take root here because... Right. Right before his family moved from Pittsburgh to Florida, Grady had to deal with because, it, again, the 1930s, 1940s, people had no clue what it was. So, like, pregnant women would walk by and spit on him in an attempt to stop the evil that he was from infecting their child. No, he was viewed as a monster. Yeah, but if you look at what he goes through, what he does later on, you're going to see that a lot of his self-loathing and hatred and rage really stems from the behaviors that were put uh, were were done against him at this age and going up. I know we talked about it earlier, but the sideshow business was extremely lucrative. So it wasn't like he needed to go to school and go to college and things like that in the uh, 40s because I think I read something like both of his parents made somewhere around 70 to 80,000 dollars a year doing sideshow business, which was a massive amount of money for a yearly for an annual salary in nineteen twenty to nineteen forty. That's multimillionaire now in today's money. But just like most performers, his dad drank it the fuck away. Not rightfully so, but we can see why, because he probably went through the exact same things, probably to a worse extent than Grady did when he was a child. Yeah. This is just one giant cycle of deformities throughout this film. It's, it's it's just one of those where I want to feel sympathy for him. This is this is the moment in the podcast where I think me and the audience are going to come together and be like, "Ah, oh, I feel so sorry for him." <laughs> right. And then five minutes from now, we're going to be like, "Fuck this guy." Going up into his teenage years, this is uh, after he was uh, he dropped out of school, was full time performer, 
a teenage girl by the name of Maria Teresa decided to run away from home and uh, join the join the carnival as a staff member. She didn't have any deformities or anything like that. She just ran away and wanted to join the the traveling carnival. So she did, and Grady fell in love with them. Grady fell in love with her, and they got married pretty early. As a young married couple, they had two kids. The girl uh, came out normal. You know, she didn't have any deformities. The boy came out with uh, ectrodactyly, of course, because it ran in the men in the family. This is one of those neat things that you folks really want to look up and do some research on because Stephen just said, you know, they fe he fell in love and, and they met and, you know, that, that then they got married. But it's a bit more than that because in, in the, for lack of a better term, carny hierarchy, Grady was a star and she was just a girl who ran a booth. She was absolutely no one. She was bottom of the social ring, of, social order of the carnival. And she literally had to work her way up to be able to be in the eyes of everyone else and Grady and his family worthy of him dating her. Like she had to go from a roustabout, which is someone who just basically stands up, step right up, step right up there, folks. Come on down. See the amazing ape woman. She had to, you know, be the assistant for the knife thrower. And she eventually began her own act as the amazing electrical girl where they had, like, the big Tesla coils that would have big sparks, and then she'd put the special uh, light bulb up to her skin, and it would light up. Yeah, it, it's it's just strange that this Game of Thrones half-man piece of shit, this woman had to become worthy of his affections. Or where her <laughs> performances were based more on learned talents rather than deformed. Yeah, it's just... I just found that interesting that... E even in the freak show, there are high school cliques. It's fucking, it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> There's no fucking escaping it. From like constant ridicule as a child, obviously, even though he was, you know, quote, quote unquote, happily married, uh, Grady suffered from extreme depression. And that depression quickly turned to alcoholism in his late teens and early 20s throughout the rest of his life. Really, he just started off his marriage the wrong way and was extremely abusive. You say abusive. I understand that it is abusive. It just doesn't feel like that's the appropriate descriptor for it. Because this guy... It goes into extreme, like, assault, you know, later on. But I'm not talking right at the tip of the iceberg. Right, right at the start, it was verbally abusive and slightly physically abusive like you know and then it just got worse and worse as this it. is what confuses me and i just don't understand what the appeal to grady's was because he was even when they first met a powerful drunk like a functioning alcoholic right off the bat he would he had two particular bars. There's one in the Carney community that he lived in in Florida, which uh, which is funny because it's the first uh, U.S. U.S. Postal Service office that bo that boasted a uh, a counter specifically made for dwarves in the U.S. The very first one was at the uh, one that he lived at was was the postal service in the area he lived, and then. There was a highway bar, of course, fucking right off the highway. That he he's a highway bar drinker, and this guy would be gone for six to seven days at a time, and then you know he's got his little wheelchair, or he would literally hop his way after a seven-day drinking binge back to the home, throw up in the hallway, fall asleep in his own puddle of his own puke, and I just don't understand how that right there is enough to make panties go sploosh. I think it's more along the lines of her feeling like she had nowhere else to go, and when you're... No! Just... No, she did! Just there's something about this half-man that just made this... This clawed half-man that just made her go, I don't know what it is. Steven, imagine Dr. Phil. Oh, Dr. Phil, I don't know what it is. I just love him so much. I love the way he goes flippy-flopping down the road. 
and the, how he punches me and rips out an IUD in the fit of rage one time. Because, yeah, that fucking happened. Yeah. I mean, he used to put his, like, claws around her. And I say claws because he would use them, essentially, as as crab claws or lobster claws and put them around her neck and choke her to the point of blacking out whenever he was drunk. God, ripped out her IUD, by the way. Jesus Christ. Yeah, just crab clawed his hands up her hooch hooch and just yanked. What the fuck? Oh, and she still kept the... Because there is a mental image of this, you know, because I could just... I don't know what he sounds like. I can just imagine that he sounds like this. Yeah, yeah. No. All right. We're going to get in there. I'm going to get my claws up inside you. I'm going to rip that little feet, that baby no maker out of you. And I'm going to skeet skeet inside you. You're going to make some more claw babies for me, bitch. Never say that again. <laughs> uh, his, his fighting technique, I loved it, is he would, you know, haul ass on his two little hands and leapfrog his way to you and then knock you down. By, you know, hitting your legs, you'd fall down and then he'd get on top of you on your stomach and just headbutt you in the chest and the stomach. That was that was and his ch- and choke you. Yeah. But his main thing choke was reserved for loved ones. That was a more intimate affair. But like if he were on a fight in the fairway or on the road, that's what he would do. He would literally knock you over and then just headbutt you into submission. Yeah, he's a winner. He's a fucking winner. So going back to his kids, uh, like we said, his son actually, extradactily, his daughter came out with no deformities and she was basically like his prized possession. Like he was extremely overprotective of her, didn't want her dating guys, didn't want her to leave the car, the sideshow, uh, you know, because she left. She wasn't going to deal with that shit. She's like, I... That, want this it's a classic sign of of an abusive overprotective father because she came out with no no physical uh malformations and he clearly cared for her but he also hated her for it like he was so fucking mad at her about this so it's 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 this weird dichotomy of love and hate towards someone who had absolutely no say in the genetic grab bag of life that's going to affect what happens later on down the road. Because at 15, his daughter was like, dad gets drunk for six or seven days a week and then proceeds to beat the ever-loving fuck out of everybody in the family. Um, I'm going to find a way out. I'm going to head out. And she found her way out with a 19-year-old uh, dude from the from the show who was just ready to go to town and to hook up with this girl, and they ran away together. And Grady lost his ever-loving shit about it. Put out the feelers in the Carney community, managed to find where she was, and called her, and was like, yeah, I called the police. They're going to they're gonna come and get you with the claws. The claws are going to come and get you. The claws of the law. The long claw of the law. The long claw of the law. <laughs> And he's gonna, they're going to come and get you. And basically, he's like, I'm going to kill this kid. I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And, you know, she's got her head on straight. So she's like, she's trying to think of anything. So she played the only car she had, which was, uh, Daddy, don't kill him. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he wants to make an honest woman out of me. That seemed to work. There was kind of a reconnection where he seemed to make her think that he was going to accept this guy. Like he was, you know, where he was like, okay, well, if you're going to get married and he's who you love, then, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. And I, and they got engaged and this is where shit went crazy because he, in some way, I don't remember whether he went to the guy's house or he had the guy come to his house. Grady's daughter and her mother went dress shopping at a local JCPenney, if memory serves me correctly. You would think she would already have the dress since this happened like the night before the wedding (laughs) no they did not they had they went dress shopping and uh everyone's at grady's houses afterwards right and what happens is basically they're all about to leave pack their shit and put it in the car and the mom and the daughter step outside and grady looks at the boy and basically in front of everyone's like no 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 stay here stay here i want to talk to you about something 
which is never a good sign when the claws come out like, no, 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 stay, stay here. I want to talk to you. From what I understand, the guy had thought that this, that he was going to give him the blessing, the father's blessing. No, he gave him a double buckshot to the chest. <laughs> yep. The daughter and the mom went outside and all of a sudden they heard two shots and out comes her boyfriend just clutching his chest. He falls to the ground. She runs over. Grady leapfrogs his way over and he's got, you know holding the gun while he's doing it. She holds her fiancé, first love, in her arms, on his porch to his trailer as he's dying there. And uh, she's like, why would you do this? And Grady's, Grady's response, it's great. Because I'm a man of my word. And if there's anything, I am, it's trustworthy. That doesn't even fucking make sense, Grady. That is literally the, that is someone, that is an uneducated piece of shit who's trying to sound like something they saw in a villainous movie. Like, that is that is a redneck from town here trying to sound like fucking Hannibal Lecter. It all comes down to this guy wanting possession over his daughter. Like, yeah. it, it all comes down to that. Like, it, it could have been any guy. I don't think it necessarily was because it was this guy. I think literally any guy who tried to marry his daughter was going to be killed by him. You folks are probably at home are probably thinking to yourself, well, this is the end of the story. He he murdered a man in cold blood. He planned it. In front of witnesses. In front of witnesses. He planned the murder. Clearly, he's going to go to jail. Uh, Stephen, is that what happened? or It's not what happened because essentially he went to trial. He was arrested and he went to trial and you know what his defense was? It was, you can't put me in prison because there are no prisons in America that can sustain the life of someone with my very rare deformity. And he was right. They were like, no, we can't. There's There are no prisons that are capable of, of handling this guy. Because he could afford a decent defense. The defense used it as... Uh, if you put this guy in prison, it would be cruel and unusual punishment. And so he got off. He got 15 years probation and he got to go home the same day. Yeah. No travel restrictions. Nothing. He was a free man because he managed to play that time frame's consideration that if you had a physical deformity, mentally, you were ill-equipped to handle anything. You were just, you were a fucking idiot. That was what it was at the time. And he played it. Like, this just goes to show the, I wouldn't say intellect, but animal cunning that Grady had. Because he played it up like, a, oh my god, my hands! Look at my hands! Could I live a normal life in prison? Could I go to your jail because of my lobster hands? No! Oh, there's also, we do have to talk about, because this actually played into one of the reasons that he was released. By the time he was arrested and put on trial and stuff, we didn't mention he he was such a heavy drinker that at this point he had uh, liver cirrhosis and emphysema. He also not only had his physical deformities, but he was sick. He was an extremely sick. Yeah, guy. I mean, listen, eighty four Paul Malls a day. He smoked eighty four cigarettes in the course of one day. Woo! How the fuck he was able to talk or just move? Without his lungs collapsing is beyond me. I mean, that, that just has to be said because, you know, that is a factor into why they couldn't put him in prison. Because not only do you have to have something uh, that is completely accessible for his uh, disability, but you also have to spend resources on keeping him healthy. There's something about this country that if you really, really lean into your vices, we're going to take care of you. You're going to be fine. We're, you're going to be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. Purposely blow the fucking two loads of buckshot into someone's chest? Ah, but you, you smoke a lot. <laughs> okay, go home. Yeah. Go home. But, you know, he did get his, though, because uh, at this point, whenever he shot the guy, of course, he got divorced. It was done. His family didn't want anything to do with him anymore. <laughs> For now. Yeah. <laughs> He does remarry at this point. He finds somebody else to marry and he has two kids with her. And he starts up the insane abuse, the insane drinking, starts beating the shit out of his second wife. She wises up pretty quickly. She leaves. She leaves the kids, both of whom have, uh, as the charming name 
finger abortions. And it's right around this time that Grady begins his own traveling 10-in-1 show. Which, for a few folks who don't know at home, a 10-in-1 show was very popular during the era of uh, stage performer slash uh, the freak show, where it was one big tent with 10 different performers in them. And you would pay like a dime or a quarter to get in and see you've got the bearded lady, you know, uh, the geek, which is basically a dude in a pit who just is like mentally deranged and will eat anything you have on there. And uh, yeah, so Grady started his own 10 in one show with him as the main act, as the lobster man. He, he had moved up from lobster boy to Lobster Man. He called it the Lobster Family, right? It was his daughter and his son, uh, Grady Styles Ju uh, the third. I didn't know the daughter had it. I thought it was just running. I just thought it just ran in the men. Nope, was... one of his daughters had him. So it was his daughter, his his son, Grady Styles the third, and him as the Lobster Boy. And his other son was uh, a blockhead. His old, his son who joined had a seventy six IQ, so he's right. Right on the force level cusp. And he became a blockhead. And a blockhead is you literally take nails and hammer them into you. Into the uh, empty spots of the nasal passages. Okay, okay. I've seen that before. Yeah. Which is kind of the stereotypical one would think, especially in the 1960s, of what people thought mentally challenged people did. Which was just bang shit into their fucking face. <laughs> That was not helpful there, buddy. That did not help the, uh, the the image. But, yeah. What would you be in a as a performer? That, let me ask you that. Let's say let's say Grady said, Steven, 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 come. Come to the clock. Come to the clock. Steven, my boy, what will you be? I guess I'd be like uh, the lizard man. I'd just tattoo my entire body, like everything. Really? There'd be no skin showing. Just tattoos. Yeah. And then, uh... Maybe make put some horns on my head, something like that. The amazing painted man. He'd be like that. Well, I mean, I, I remember seeing that at Ripley's. It was like the iguana man or something, and he actually like had like prosthetics built into his skin, like that were like horns, and he tattooed his entire body scales, and then had like his contacts, and then he sawed his teeth to make like sharp iguana mm -hmm. teeth and stuff. Or the crocodile man. That's what it was. Crocodile man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just curious what you would be. Because it kind of says a lot about someone, <laughs> like, and not in a bad way. It just I get your I get your personality now. It fits your personality. <laughs> what would you be? I'd probably be a geek. <laughs> You'd be a lobster man. <laughs> Basically, the guy in the pit that I'd, I'd be the guy in the pit. You know, they throw down raw chicken, raw dead animals, and you know he'd act all crazy and <laughs> just eat it and look, you know, emaciated and disgusting and gross. That would probably be me. <laughs> If you ask, this yeah. shows a lot of how you think about yourself. <laughs> oh, that that screams exactly how I feel about myself. I am unworthy of the sun. Put me in the dark and feed me rotting meat. <laughs> like that guy in Waterworld where they spit in his mouth to give him water. Well, that just sounds like a sexy <laughs> Friday night, Stephen. I'm at half mass. Keep going. No, I won't. Let's get back to Grady. Okay. His successful lobster family sideshow. Must have worked because somehow it convinced his first wife to come back to him and remarry him again. And here's the thing. His first wife, little side information about her. She had met another circus performer. And had kids with him. Yeah. He was, he was considered the tiny man. Dude stood at three feet tall. Right at three feet tall. He was a welder. He had started his own successful tire business. Like, she was comfortable and secure, and had a guy who helped raise Grady's kids before Grady took him away. Yeah, Grady took him away and got the legal right to do that. He helped raise her kids, you know, took care of her, was a genuinely decent guy, but, you know, all she could think of was, huh, that man, that half man, I miss him so. You missed the claw, bitch! You missed the claws of sexiness! <laughs> the claw! <laughs> Why does my Grady style sound like a really cheap redneck version of Skeletor? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm sure it's not the Pennsylvania accent. But... No. 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 <laughs> Either way, like, as soon as his first wife remarried him again, same shit, different day. He just got drunk all the time and beat the shit out of her. 
And this time, she wasn't happy. Oh, yeah. It's almost like 30-some-odd years of abusive uh, physical, mental, and emotional torture might cause a human being to go, I should kill a motherfucker. Yeah. And, and although she didn't kill him, she hired her 17-year-old neighbor to essentially conspire with her son from her other marriage. And her 17-year-old neighbor walked into Grady's house and fucking blew him away with a 22. And this kid had bragged often about having already committed murders before. And it was a thing Grady would do is, you know, his his blood pressure was so astronomically high. I don't know, 80-something Paul Malls a day will do that to you. That, you know, he slept in the living room after he would sleep, fall asleep in the living room watching TV in his whitey tidies, Which is kind of just funny... The mental image of a dude with really no usable legs wearing whitey tidies sitting in the living room drinking, you know, a quart of whiskey he had in his house with his little flipper hands. And the movie he's watching was Rudy. He was watching Rudy. It's <laughs> great. I don't know why that cracks that little detail that cracks me up. But his family told him minutes before the murder that they like he and his daughter. And when I mean his daughter, I mean the daughter that he murdered her fiance. She forgave him and came back to the family business. They told him like, yeah, we're going to step out at 1130 at night. They're like, yeah, we're going to step out. We're going to go see about this baby. And didn't give any other information. Just we're going to go see about this baby, uh, see about a baby. And then they just left. Ten minutes later, in comes fucking the 17 year old and puts one in the head, two in the chest. It ended his life. But the fucked up thing is, is that both his w first wife, his wife's son, and the neighbor all got more years in prison than Grady did. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, this claw motherfucker, this is what they call the devil's luck. Like, this is, this motherfucker had the devil's luck. And I hate him for it. Because I can't catch a break some days. But this motherfucker could put two loads of buckshot in someone's chest and just be like, Make this! And then get away with it. Just spend the rest of his days drinking whiskey doubles. Which, if he doesn't have any legs, does that make it a whiskey quadruple? Mm. Like, and I'm not even being a smartest because he's literally half of the body. He has half a body. So does that make it, like... Mathematically speaking, like, like, does that make it twice as much? I vote yes. Huh. Didn't know we were in the math corner today, but okay. <laughs> yeah, the wife and the son were were sentenced to 12 years in prison. The neighbor was sentenced to 27 years in prison. But uh, she appealed um, like close to the end of her sentence. And it was like a dual appeal with her and her son. And he would not, like, try to appeal it or something like that. I don't remember what happened, but they released her after her 12 years were up. But he his sentence got extended to life. So he ended up, I'm not sure, it was some kind of failed appeal. Or, like, he, he wouldn't admit wrongdoing. Or that, like, he, he doubled down on it or something. But they ended up extending his sentence from 12 years to life. Again, not to get on the soapbox, but a fairly fucking frightening idea that the U.S. legal system could do that. But let, let sorry, off the soapbox, we're not stepping on it, we're not getting on there. When he, his body was buried, he had no funeral. No one showed well, up. The community fucking hated he was, him. No, this dude was a fucking asshole. Absolutely. No local funeral homes or pallbearers would work with his family for the funeral. They had to go out of town to find someone that, that this piece of shit had not pissed off. It's great. I, I just love that little end of the day. The universe just goes, well, we can exactly fuck you the way we wanted, so let's just... <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck Grady Styles, dude. Not because, and listen, I know for a fact we're going to get some people who are talking shit on Facebook or on Twitter, because Twitter is the... Mostly Twitter. Twitter's the Moss Eisley. Thank you. You <laughs> fucking stole my joke. But understand, when I'm making fun of this guy, I am not making fun of him because of his physical abnormalities. I am making fun of him because he's a piece of shit who exploited that and beat the fuck out of his family, and abused, and basically at times, raped his wife. So, 
understand his class class have nothing to do with why I'm talking shit about him. We just want to make sure you fine folks understand that. So you just I hear the clickety clack kickly clack of Twitter buttons right now. You fuckers can stop. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting tired of getting DMs from people. I'm getting real tired of it. Well, maybe you should stop being such an insensitive asshole. Maybe we go <laughs> go fuck myself. I know. Go on, Steven. <laughs> just just continue the fucking show. Let's talk about this walking fucking red lobster deal, please. <laughs> A walking red lobster, yeah. Yes, Crablante, as we said at the beginning of the show, created for the popular Japanese manga slash anime One Punch Man. He was brought into this world in 2009. And uh, just a little background about One Punch Man. It's a superhero manga about a guy that basically grows bored because there isn't enough evil that matches up to his strength. It's a pretty fun show. Like, it's on Netflix right now. It's pretty fucking fun. It's so stupid. It's great. <laughs> I was watching. I was like, what the shit is this? Yeah. I'd never heard of One Punch Man <laughs> up until about two months ago. And then I saw something on Facebook and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I watched it. And I was like, this is the greatest cartoon show I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> fuck some Rick and Morty. This show's great. And Crablante, the guy, monster that we're talking about, he was originally a human being that ate such a massive amount of crab that he actually started to transform into a crab. <laughs> but only from the waist up so from the waist down he's just a muscly guy wearing tidy whities and then from the waist up he is has like this hard red carapace shell and huge crab claws and then he has a crab head with like eye stalks that come out of his head with his big oval eyes sticking out of it i mean he's terrifying <laughs> yeah I just, I love the idea that you eat too much of one thing and you turn into it. Crablante is actually voiced by Yukatashi Kokomoto, who is known for voicing Hattori from Death Note. I'm not sure if any of you guys watch Death Note, but it's also a really popular anime series. I, I didn't know Death Note was an anime series. I thought it was that movie with Willem Dafoe, and I thought that was the only Death Note that there was. Is there is is there an anime? I can see in your face that you're lying. Is there an shit. anime about that? <laughs> Shut up. Just be quiet. I mean, can you really top the the vocal brilliance of Willem Dafoe? The, to be fair, to be fair, of that uh, of that uh, adaptation of the movie, Willem Dafoe kind of was the best choice for out of that whole cinematic abortion. Yeah, I never watched it because I heard it was fucking horrible. Oh, it's horrible, but Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe as a death god. Kind of perfect. We are we are getting off point because we've had to spend so long talking about an asshole neither one of us liked that now we're into now we're into pop culture where we're both like, yay, we can cast off the bullshit that was Grady Styles. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about Crabalante's like strengths. And his, uh, well, I mean, he has super strength because he's a giant crab monster. But he also excels in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And his scissor punch move, that's his, like, go-to special move. It's so strong he can just smash fucking concrete with it. This isn't, like, a, a normal, like, little puny villain. He's actually, so in One Punch Man, you have different tiers of monsters. You have the wolf tier, which is, which is one. You have tiger tier. You have dragon tier. And then god tier. And Crabalante is a uh, tiger tier. So he's like number two, which basically just means he's super detrimental to like lots of humans. Whereas a god tier is detrimental to the entire world. Oh. Basically, the, the, he's the, uh, the god tier would be like Galacticus or Thanos. This guy would be like a, uh, a juggernaut. Nice. Okay, I can see it. Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch! Oh my god, when they use that in the movie fucking kill myself <laughs> <laughs> once crablante transforms he turns like super fucking angry and evil of course because he's just a man he's just a super muscular man who turns into a crab monster because he just liked eating crab like you just fucking eat what you like i mean shit that's like me turning into a fucking taco bell burrito <laughs> there we go <laughs> you know it's like that's like me waking up tomorrow and i'm just i'm just half a crunch wrap you're half a chalupa. <laughs> you know? But 
There's your super villain. You just run around and you throw fucking pico or fucking <laughs> sour cream at people. I feel like that'd be the most racist super villain ever. By the way, hola, <laughs> I am the gordita. <laughs> yeah. So you know what fucking Crablante is so fucking pissed off about is he's just sleeping, just being a crab monster, just sleeping in the in the park, and this little boy walks up to him and draws nipples. On the front of his shell <laughs> with permanent ink. So now, Crablante's chest has these big drawn-on nipples. And he freaks the fuck out. And he goes on a murder spree trying to find this boy. He just starts killing people left and right. Like, I'm gonna find this kid. I don't care who's in my way. I'm gonna claw your fucking head off. To be fair, though, listen. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna side with, uh, with the, the crab monster on this one. <laughs> I don't know what kind of world they're living in, but if you're so fucking stupid that you go up to literally a human-crab hybrid <laughs> and you draw nipples, you know that this thing is an abomination in unto the eyes of God himself, and you're going to just fuck with them? No, whatever happens, everyone's death, all the destruction is on you. You are solely responsible for it. You fucked with a crab man. I'm the crab man. I'm the crab man. That's the that's the accent I should have done with Grady Styles cuz I just get the image of fucking Danny DeVito as Grady Styles. You know, it's always sunny. That's in Philadelphia. I really missed an opportunity there. You did. So, Crablante meets the hero, uh, Saitama, who, uh, and Crablante almost just fucking kills him, too, but because Saitama is so bored and just depressed that he decides he's gonna spare him, because the sadness in Saitama's eyes reminds him of his own. Yeah, I mean... For becoming a giant crab monster. And he's like, man, I just can't kill you. I, I see your sadness, it's the same as mine. I'm gonna let you live, but I'm also... Going to the park because I know that the kid who drew nipples on me is there. <laughs> and so he comes up to him and he's about to kill him. And that's when Saitama comes up and says, Hey, don't fucking kill this kid. That's stupid. Yeah, so what? He drew nipples on you. And Crablante is like, Excuse me. I will not let somebody mock my appearance as a crab monster. I'm going to kill him. And now, because you're in my way, I'm going to kill you, too. No. No, it's called One Punch Man for a reason. It doesn't work out so well. <laughs> yeah, I think the audience is even like, no, this ain't gonna work for him. <laughs> right. And, I mean, Saitama gets his fucking ass beat, like, first. Because he's, like, this bored, depressed guy who doesn't really fucking do anything. But right before Crablante is about to give the final blow, Saitama dodges his attack, and he uses his necktie to wrap around one of... Crablante's eye stalks. And, and that's like the little protruding eye that comes out of his head. And folks, here it comes. Here it comes. Here comes the plasma fountain. Because it's about to get... Like, he pulls the eye out of Crablante's head. And it pulls all of Crablante's internal organs out with it. Because the eye stalks are, for whatever reason, attached to all of the internal organs inside of his shell. I like how you say, for whatever reason. Like, there <laughs> is a logical thought process behind the human-crab hybrid of the man who ate too much fucking crab meat and turned into a half-crab. He's a... God has cursed him. All right? At this point, up is down, down is up, left is right, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. And he's got nipples drawn on him. And he's got nipples drawn on him. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> Fuck this kid. Fuck this kid. So, that kills Crablante instantly. But... You know, you guys might be thinking, oh, well, this kind of just seems like an easy fight. He doesn't really seem like that bad of a guy. The cool thing about Crablante is he is essentially the reason that Saitama becomes One Punch Man. Like, and the reason for the creation of Heroes Association, which is this corporation owned by a millionaire that employs and manages the city's heroes. And if you've seen The Boys, it's kind of kind of similar to that. He's basically the inspiration for Saitama turning his life around and then, like, training and becoming One Punch Man and, like, being the superhero that everybody needs. He's really important to the One Punch Man story. He is the Joe Chill of the uh, of the of the of the One Punch Man mythology. Joe Chill is the name of the guy who killed Batman's parents. Oh, you mean it wasn't the Joker? <laughs> Are you fucking done? Are you fucking done? This is this is what we're gonna do. 
This is what we're gonna. This is how we're gonna play it, huh? <laughs> All right, asshole. Let's go to the bowler hat scale, shall we? Yeah, I think we can. Uh, but before we do, I just want to once again, One Punch Man is on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, go fucking watch it because it's really fun. Is season two out yet, or is they still? Uh, I I don't think that's out yet, but season one is all on there. God, I'm sorry. I just listen. I understand that creative genius takes time, but damn it, hurry up! I want to see season two. I've been, it's been three years. Three years, apparently, it's been out. So, but I've only discovered it a couple months ago. So, I mean, I don't know why I'm complaining. But <laughs> that's not the point. All right. So, Buller Hat Scale, where does Grady Styles Jr. belong? It's 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 more of a personal evil. You know what I mean? It's not a wide scale. I know we got to not be not be biased, honestly. We have to be kind of, kind of uh, objective when it comes to this. Yeah, and it's hard not to because... I, I have seen the repercussions of physical and uh, f- familiar uh, family abuse, and it's just it. <sighs> and I worked at Walmart, so I have seen these drunken pieces of chain smoking pieces of shit for five years straight, every single goddamn day. <laughs> and I Object- hate them. Objective. We have to be objective. I'm objectively stating that I hate pieces of shit like this. <laughs> That's fair. But. To be fair, Grady Styles is not the most evil. Grady is gonna get a four. Grady on the bowler scat hat scale in comparison to the monsters we've done. This is if we were doing the one punch man <laughs> tier level tier level, he would be a tier one, the low level. The wolf. Tier he would wolf. be the wolf. He would be an annoying, slightly deformed wolf. He gets it. Yeah, gets I mean, a, he only killed. He did abuse the shit out of his family. He ripped an IUD out of his wife. Ah! Oh! And he murdered one man in cold blood. I don't know what's worse in my mind. Like, which is grosser, ripping an IUD out or shooting someone? I definitely agree with you because it's it's tough to like sit here and be like, oh man, he's worse than that because of the relativeness of the bowler hat scale. Like, no matter what, anybody who is on this scale is a piece of shit. Like, they're a villain. No matter what. So, like, I don't necessarily feel bad for him being lower on the scale. Mm-hmm. But in comparison, I mean, if we're giving, like, fucking Genghis Khan and those guys, like, a 10, like, this dude is not even fucking close. You know? He's not even close. So, yeah, I'm right I'm right there with you. Four. And uh, let's talk about Crab Lante. You go first on this one, because I want to see where you go with this one. I mean, he's a mass murderer. He killed a shitload of people on his way to get to this fucking kid. He was going to murder a child, but which is shitty anyway, but he killed a bunch of people on his way to kill a child. So, he, I mean, he's a mass murderer. He's got to be a six or a seven at least. I mean, the only reason the only reason he's not higher than that is because his... Tenure was so short. <laughs> but his legacy. He walked from one place to another, killed a whole bunch of people, and then he was fucking killed. So he can't be too much higher than that. So I'll say probably like a seven. Seven? You know what? I'll agree with you. I agree with you on that one. I'm going to say a seven. Maybe because he's just pathetic. <laughs> like, he, it's, it, visually, he's got the look down. He's got the branding down. He's got... He's got, you know, I am a half man, half crab. Crabalante is, is a great name for it. Perfect. <laughs> but he's just pathetic. He's the Grady Styles, not the Grady Styles. He's the, uh, what, what was the name of the cowboy that we were talking about? Elmer McCurdy. He is the Elmer McCurdy of of superhero supervillains. Uh, no, I don't agree with that because Elmer McCurdy really didn't do anything. This Crabalante fucking murdered people. Yeah, but look at he's a murderer. Look at the uh, other characters in that show. Yeah, that's true. And also, the reason that he's murdering people was because someone drew nipples on him. Exactly. He's the Elmer McCurdy of fucking uh, supervillains. Uh, FYI, folks, uh, go back and listen to our. Uh, Elmer McCurdy Skeletor episode of the Curly Mustache Podcast available on iTunes or Spotify. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because one of our pieces of feedback is about the Elmer McCurdy show. So why don't you kick us off with our first piece of listener feedback today? All right, listener feedback from John Douchebag Grant. I mean, uh, John Grant, sorry. Um, <laughs> I would say the most interesting episode so far was Genghis Khan with Elmer McCurdy as a pretty close second due to his crazy story. The Shredder episode was a decent podcast, but I really miss the accents, Joel. 
If you drop them, I may have to seriously reconsider my continued listening. <laughs> Keep up the interesting stuff, fellas. What up now, Steven? We're going to lose subscribers the moment I don't fucking do my accents. What's up? Well, bye. <laughs> bye, Felicia. Damn. John, the last two episodes have been not accent-centric. Uh, We're going to come back to it. Don't you worry. This episode hasn't been great on the accents. With our next piece of feedback, you'll see that our next episode will have a nice New Yorker that you can do all sorts of accents. Oh, oh it's going to... This is going to be great. Our second piece of feedback is from Matt. He says, you guys should do an episode on Michael Dowd. He's one of the most corrupt cops of all time. There's a great documentary about him on Netflix called The 7-5. And to which I said, I thought that would be an awesome idea. So we're going to do that for our next episode. And uh, I picked the uh, the fictional counterpart to go with him will be uh, Alonzo Harris from Training Day. You know, Denzel Washington's extremely corrupt cop character. Oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> this motherfucker, right? You motherfucker. King Kong ain't got shit on me! It's gonna be awesome. Oh, I love it. And I might actually sit down and watch this documentary beforehand, too. Perfect. I do have a question for you. Alright, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 24 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. And thanks again for the continued listening and support on the regular uh, we appreciate everything and anything you guys do for us. And that includes following, subscribing, liking our posts and engaging with us, and sharing and telling your friends. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, or United Cipher's website. If you'd like to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, find us at the Curly Mustache Podcast. We release a lot of content on those platforms and a lot of stuff that has to do with other episodes. So uh, follow us on them and you'll get to see some cool stuff. And it's a great place for you to shoot us feedback uh, to address right here on the show. Yes, and we love feedback. We love feedback. We love giving you folks shit. <laughs> it's fun to play back and forth. So please, feedback. Let us know how you feel. They just wish that they could be in our position where we're live and arguing with each other. They just want to argue with exactly. us. Exactly. And that's what makes that's what makes a good show, though. That's what makes a good uh, that much, that's what makes good engagement is when you feel like. Uh, and I say this a lot because we get some, we get a lot of feedback from for NPM, and we've gotten some feedback like this uh, for this show, and that's when our listeners feel like they're in the room with, with with us, arguing with us, and discussing it with us, and that's what makes a podcast good, in my opinion, and that's what makes a podcast engaging. So agreed, we're we're sort of doing our jobs. All right, I'll take it. If you want to check out some other podcasts from United Cipher, give a listen to Music Video Countdown and Motion Picture Meltdown, two podcasts that we've currently got going on right now. Uh, and you can listen to old episodes of Talks Over Games, The Anime Alphabet, and The Fallout Forecast. And then lastly, give a listen to some podcasts created by friends of ours, like Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, A Scare Actors Podcast. With that being said, I'm Steven. I'm Joel, the Crab Man. The Crab Man. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>